believers and non-believers alike have committed the Lord's Prayer to memory. But if that's all you've done with it, you're missing its real value. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues the series, Prayer, the Great Adventure, by sharing how the Lord's Prayer can be a rich framework for your own prayers. To introduce the conclusion of Prayer, Pagans, and Pretenders, here's David. I want to thank you for joining us today as we begin this week and uh, grab hold of the second part of the first message in this series, Prayer the Great Adventure. As you know, this is based upon the Lord's Prayer, and it comes to us from Matthew chapter 6. Today we'll be looking at the entirety of the prayer as we conclude our discussion of prayer, pagans, and pretenders. During the series, we want to make available to you some very special resources. First of all, if you don't have the book, uh, Prayer the Great Adventure, you can go to our website and find out how to order that. You can have it sent to you. It also has a study guide with it and a CD package that will enable you to listen, to look, to interact with the material in the series, Prayer the Great Adventure. Our resource for the month of July is a book, an answer book, one of our answer book series called Answers to Questions About Prayer, 146 pages that will help you understand many of the things that you question about your own prayer life and about prayer in general. We want to send this gift book to you as our way of saying thank you for your gift to Turning Point during the month of July. But you must ask for the book. You must say, please send me the answer book on prayer, and we'll do it. Well, we want to get started now with part two of Prayer, Pagans, and Pretenders. This is kind of the on-ramp to the series. So let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and let's begin. Now, in many churches, some from which you may have come, they have what they call a prayer book. And I am not against prayer books. I don't want to make a statement against them. Some of the greatest things you'll find are in some of the old, old prayer books that have come to us out of the history of the church. But a prayer book has a pre-written prayer. And if you get a good prayer book, you can get a prayer for anything your heart desires, any kind of occasion, any kind of moment you'll ever experience. So you just look in the index and find the prayer you want, and open it up, and then you pray this prayer out loud. Now, if the prayer represents the genuineness of your heart, then God will hear it and it will be acceptable to him. But so often, what happens through liturgy, and one of the challenges with liturgical worship is that what becomes rote and routine to us becomes vain repetition, so that we stand and mouth words, they mean nothing to us. And Jesus is trying to help us understand that what he longs for from his people is not the right set of words, not the right vocabulary said in the right intonation, but what he wants is a relationship with his people so that we come to him as we would come to a friend and we converse with him and it's meaningful in relationship. It's interesting to me that at the very front of this prayer, which is often prayed in a vain repetitious way, there is a warning against doing that. Don't do it, Jesus said. You know, as Christians, we do that ourselves, don't we? Do we ever use vain repetitious words in our prayers? Do you know what I've noticed that we get into the habit of doing as Christians? And I suppose I've gone through a phase of this, and maybe you have too, and maybe you're in the midst of a phase of this. We use words as vocal pauses, where someone uses the name of God or the name Father over and over and over again. 
And Father, we just want to say, and Father, we just want to do, and Father, we just want to pray, and Father this and Father that. Now you try that on the person who is closest to you in normal human conversation. You go home to your wife and you say, Donna, if that's her name, <laughs> you say, Donna, it's so good, Donna, to see you, Donna. Donna, it was good for us to be in church, wasn't it, Donna? Oh, Donna, what a wonderful service it was, Donna. Oh, Donna. What is the matter with you? And she would look at me and say, I don't want you to talk with me in vain repetitions. And she would be right. You don't talk like that to somebody you know and love. You talk with them normally. And sometimes we do that out of nervous habit, don't we? Sometimes we just do it out of habit. And maybe it's good for us to take the admonition of our Lord and say, when I talk to God, he's my friend. After I address him the first time, I don't have to keep calling his name because he knows that I know who he is. Vain, repetitious. There's an interesting thing in the account of the publican and the Pharisee. In Luke's account, it says this, that the Pharisee went there and prayed with himself. Isn't that an interesting thought? Have you ever noticed people that pray with themselves? I'm, maybe God's listening in, but he's the second thought because they're praying with themselves. And the Lord warns us against that. Our prayer must not be heathen. Did you know that in Tibet, there are millions who write their prayers down on paper and they use prayer machines. And they put their little prayer requests in these prayer machines and they're like wheels and they turn around like this and they believe that every time the wheel passes in front of heaven that the prayer is offered. So as many times as they can pass that wheel in front of heaven, that's another prayer. And that's a vain repetition. That's the kind of thing we get into sometimes if we're not careful. And Jesus warns against that. One man has written that one sentence burdened with a heart's desire is dearer to God than an hour's rehearsing of words and phrases with no longing behind them. God wants our hearts. And so these warnings at the outset of the prayer. Now the interesting thing, as you come to this prayer, and we just want to kind of whet our appetites for it, as you come to this prayer, you begin to realize and delve into its meaning and you discover some great theology. I want you to look down at the prayer and notice the emphasis upon God in the first three petitions. Thy kingdom, thy name, thy will. And then notice the second part of the prayer and its emphasis upon the poverty of man. And I'm going to change the way the words are just so you can get the point. I want you to watch carefully in your Bibles and notice us give daily bread. Us forgive. Us lead not into temptation. Us deliver from evil. In the first part of the prayer, it's thy, thy, thy. In the second part of the prayer, it's us, us, us. God has all the glory and all the power and all the majesty, and you and I have all the needs and all the wants and all the poverty, don't we? Isn't it great to come to a prayer where you can just say, God, I'm empty. But oh God, you're so full, and you are my source, and you're the one to whom I come. You are my Father. Samuel Zweimer once wrote that every possible desire of the praying heart is here 
This prayer contains a whole world of spiritual requirements and it combines in simple language every divine promise, every human sorrow and want, and every Christian aspiration for the good of others. So here in this prayer is everything that we need to do when we pray. I studied the Lord's Prayer some years ago and for a period of time in my walk with God, I used to pray the outline of this prayer every day. And let me tell you how it works because it's kind of an exciting thing to do. First of all, the prayer starts with praise. And the Bible tells us that we're to enter into the presence of God with praise and thanksgiving. It says, hallowed be thy name. Basically, that means we come to God and the first thing we do is we honor him and we worship him and we praise him. How many of you know how easy it is to rush into the presence of God and you got your grocery list and you're halfway down the list and all of a sudden you realize you haven't even said a good thing about God from the outset of your prayer. I find that tendency because what motivates us, what drives us, the things we feel in our hearts, the needs. And God wants us to come first of all and open the prayer gate with worship and praise. Take the names of God, take the Psalms, take anything you want to that will help you do that. But I find that when I praise him first, now watch carefully, psychologically it's creatively helpful. Because if you come to God with your long grocery list of needs, and most of us have one, and you first do not see him high and lifted up in all of his greatness and power, you won't have the confidence in your prayer that you should have. Make God big in your prayer before you do anything else. Praise him first. And then after praise comes priorities. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What in the world would happen in your life if God's will was done on earth as it is in heaven? How is God's will done in heaven? Absolutely, perfectly, completely. And so it's a good thing, secondly, to just bring your life before him and say, Lord, here's my priorities. And I've told you, what my priorities are. I go over these over and over again. I'm first of all a person before God. I have a relationship with him. Then I'm a partner with my wife and I have a relationship with her. And then I'm a parent for my children and I have a relationship with them. And then I'm a pastor over this church. But everyone who understands that applauds the fact that the church is number four. We need to be number four. Because my relationship is first with God, then with Donna, then with my children, and then to the work God has called me. Now, what would happen in your life if every day you came to God and you said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my relationship with you, in my relationship with her, in my relationship with my children, and in my leadership and relationship in this church. Pray through your priorities. First of all, there's praise, and then there's priorities, and then there's provision. How many of you have any needs? Give us this day our daily bread. And some of you are thinking, there's two kinds of bread, Pastor. Which kind are we talking about here? Both kinds. Whatever kind you need, for this is a symbol of God's desire to meet our needs. His providing for us. Start with praise, and then you work through your priorities, and then you bring your needs. Notice you don't bring your needs until you've focused on your priorities, and you've focused on who God is, and then you talk about provision. And then when you get done with your provision, then you talk about personal relationships. And I want you to notice this. This is about forgiveness, but as we're going to see, this is the only part of the prayer that is repeated for emphasis later. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And when you get to the end of the prayer, it says, 
If you don't do that, your father in heaven won't forgive you either. I mean, it's an awesome thought that here in this prayer is the key to our relationships with each other. As we pray through the prayer, as we follow this outline, we're praising God. We're sorting out our priorities. We're asking God for the provision that we need, the things we need in our life. And then we're talking about relationships. Lord, is there somebody in my life that I haven't forgiven? Because you've said you want to forgive me in the same manner in which I forgive others. And so you deal with the relationship. Isn't life full of relationship challenges? Friendships and sometimes family relationships and working relationships. How many of you know that you could pray about relationships every day and it would be helpful to you? Amen? It's right here in the outline. Now let's remember, you praise God, you deal with your priorities, you ask God for what you need, you talk about your personal relationships, and then you ask God for protection. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Lord, protect me today. You know, being a Christian today is like walking through a minefield every day. You know, you don't know what you're going to step on that's going to blow up in your face. You just need to ask God to help you not to walk in the path where evil is. And you ask for his protection. And then it all ends where it began, back in the throne room again. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The glory and the praise of God are the bookends of this prayer. And if you start with praise and you end with praise, in between everything that you need, you can bring to God, following the outline of the Lord's Prayer. Some are going to say today, well, Pastor Jeremiah, I'm sure glad you got around to my prayer, because this is something I'm really into, the Lord's Prayer. Well, I've been saying the Lord's Prayer for as long as I can remember. And I'm glad you're going to teach on this. It's about time. My prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Is it really? Someone gave this to me some years ago, and I want to share it with you. And you do your own grading, all right? You take the test. You keep your own score. Here it is. Can I say our if my religion has no room for others in their need? Can I say father if I do not demonstrate this relationship every day I live? Can I say who art in heaven if all my interests and pursuits are on earth? Can I say, hallowed be thy name, if I who am called by his name am not holy? Can I say, thy kingdom come, if I am unwilling to give up my own sovereignty and accept the righteous reign of God? Can I say, thy will be done, if all I care about is my own will and I'm resentful of having it pushed on me in my life? Can I say, on earth as it is in heaven, unless I am truly ready to give myself to serve him on earth? Can I say, give us this day our daily bread without expending honest effort for it or by ignoring the genuine needs of my fellow man? Can I say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us if I continue to harbor a grudge against my neighbor? Can I say, lead us not into temptation if I deliberately choose to remain in a situation where I am likely to be tempted? Can I say, deliver us from evil if I'm not prepared to fight in the spiritual realm with the weapon of prayer? Can I say, thine is the kingdom if I don't give the king the disciplined obedience of a loyal subject? Can I say, thine is the power if I fear what my friends and neighbors are going to say about what I do? Can I say, thine is the glory if I'm always looking to get praise for myself? Can I say, forever, if all I care about is today? Can I say, amen? 
unless I honestly say, cost what it may, God, this is my prayer. Don't own this prayer, my friends, just because you memorized it. Before we're finished, you will see that if we get gripped by this prayer, it will do more than give us something to say when we bow our heads, but it will cause us to walk in fellowship with God. The most complete and powerful expression of man's submission to God is the Lord's Prayer. In a southern hospital some years ago during the war, a young man lay dying. And the chaplain of the army hospital came to pray with him on his round of duties. Something inside of the chaplain's heart told him that it'd be a good thing for him to pray the Lord's Prayer. So he wasn't in the habit of doing that, but he came to the bedside of this young soldier and he prayed the Lord's Prayer. When he finished, the boy's eyes were filled with tears and the chaplain tried to respond to him and talk to him about his need of Christ. And all the boy would say was this, my mother years ago used to pray that prayer with me and oh, how good it was to hear it again. It's often the case when you've been away from God that you hear something familiar and it, it kind of causes you to come back. Some of you have experienced that. The chaplain went on his round of duties and the next day when he was in the hospital, he stopped by to see the young soldier. But when he came to the room, the bed was clean and remade. And when he asked the attendant, he was told that the young soldier had died. But he said, just an hour or so after you left, as he passed out of this life, you might be interested in what he said. He was praying out loud and he said, my father, my father. Yes, mother, he's my father now. I've accepted him. He's my father and I'm soon coming to be with you and my father in heaven. My friends, you can't pray the Lord's prayer if God is not your father. And you say, well, isn't everybody in the family of God? I'm afraid not. There are two families in the world. And if you've never been born into God's family, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you are not a child of God and God is not your father. So don't pray a prayer that doesn't belong to you. This prayer is for the people who have trusted Christ and are a part of the family of God through being born again spiritually into his family. But the good news is anyone who wants to can experience that. The good news is that no matter who you are or what you've done or where you've been through life, if you want to be a part of the family of God, the invitation is extended and all you have to do is say, yes, I will accept what Christ has done for me on the cross as my entrance into God's family. And then he will be your father and you will be his son, his daughter. Then you can say with meaning, my father in heaven. Until then, you cannot. And if there is any lesson in the Lord's Prayer for those of us who are believers, let it be this one, that God desires more than you know, your personal, intimate fellowship with him. Daily to talk with him. Daily to commune with him. Not in high-sounding terms, not in vain repetitions, but in the simplicity of the words modeled by our Lord to his disciples. Father Manning is a Catholic priest, a wonderful writer, and I believe a godly man. 
One occasion, he was called late one night and asked if he could go to the hospital. And when he inquired about it, he was told that there was someone there who was very ill. They thought he might not make it through the night, and they didn't know who to call. He wasn't a Catholic, but could he come? And Father Manning went. When he got to the hospital, he found a man in the hospital bed, and there was a chair next to the bed. As he got acquainted with this man who was so seriously ill, the man said, I had to talk to someone. I had to talk to some clergyman tonight because... A few months back, someone told me that if I really wanted to experience genuine prayer, if I really wanted to feel like I was talking with God and I was struggling with that, maybe what I should do is just set a chair up in my room and just believe and visualize in my own mind that God was there and talk to him. And he said, you know, people have been coming through the hospital and they think I'm crazy because I've been talking to God by the hour, especially in these last days. Sometimes I talk to him for two hours. And since I began to realize that this is a conversation and a personal thing, I've just grown so much in my love and my fellowship. Is that all right? Is that all right, Father? He said, you know what? I think God would be honored by that. Honored that you wanted a personal, intimate relationship enough to really understand that what you were doing is what you should do, that God wants you to talk with him. He cares about you. He is not some person distant from you. He's close to you and he cares and he wants your intimate personal fellowship. And they prayed together and Brandon Manning left. He came back and uh, was not surprised to learn that this man had passed on to the next life. And when he talked to the nurse, she said, you know, there was something very strange about this man in his death. Somehow, before he died, he got out of bed and when we found him, his head was laying in the chair. And I have to believe that man discovered what it was like to really communicate with God. He knows you. He loves you. He wants you to talk with him. You don't have to be some spiritual giant to do it. You don't have to take some class to do it. What you got to do is just understand he's your father, your father in heaven. Open your heart to him. Tell him what's in your heart, and he will hear you, and he will answer you. And the Lord's Prayer will help us learn how to do that better. In the front of my Bible, I have an outline of the Lord's Prayer, and I've made a little um, an outline with how that translates into my own life, what I pray for and how I should pray, and how this prayer guides me in my prayer experience. And uh, as you go through this study with us, you will develop that yourself. You will realize that there's something in this prayer for you, for your everyday conversations with the Lord. And of course, to Jesus, prayer was everything. It was his duty as well as his privilege. And uh, we tend to use prayer as, as a last resort. And sometimes people will come to me and say something like, well, I've tried everything. I've been to all of these counselors, and, and I've talked to all my friends. And the only thing I have left to do is pray. And and I like to say to them, well, you just made your last resort um, prayer, and it should be your first resort. Why go through all of the other things you go through before you pray? And the Lord puts prayer at the top of the list. We're trying to do that, too. You know, I know prayer is a, a difficult subject for a lot of people because we all feel so inadequate in our prayer life. But we can learn and we can get better, and that's the good news. And the Lord wants to teach us. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven. 
Don't forget, friends, that during this month you can get a copy of the prayer answer book from Turning Point, which goes right along with this series. 146 pages, hardcover, answers to a lot of questions you have about prayer. It's a part of the answer books that we've created about other subjects. And though you want to have this, it will be available to you for a gift of any size during the month of July. And all you have to do is ask for it. Send your gift and say, Dr. J, I, I sent my gift, and, and the, here's my request for the book, the answer book on prayer. And you can also get the book from which this series was taken, which is a book called Prayer the Great Adventure, published by Multnomah Press. You can get that from Turning Point at our website. There's a study guide, and there's some CDs to go along with it. Most important thing, though, is for you to be here tomorrow as we teach again on Prayer the Great Adventure. Thanks for listening. message today originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. If you're being blessed by this ministry, we'd love to hear about it. Write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, answers to questions about prayer with 50 questions and answers to fortify your prayer life. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries and instantly access our content. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue Prayer the Great Adventure here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. One of the greatest adventures in this life is meeting with God through prayer. And to help you go deeper in your practice, Dr. Jeremiah has created a new book called Answers to Questions About Prayer. This new book, along with his classic volume, Prayer, The Great Adventure, are yours when you donate $60 to the ministry this month. And when you give $80 or more, you'll also receive these books, as well as the accompanying CD, album, and study guide. Donate online at davidjeremiah.ca. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. Perhaps the most amazing advancement in military technology in the last few years has been the use of drones. Small aircraft flying silently overhead, controlled by operators half a world away. There are drones in the sky, somewhere in the world right now, providing a bird's eye view of the earth below. 
It's amazing how man continues to invent things that mimic what God can do. While drones are limited to a certain geographical area, God sees the whole world at once, including you and me right now, wherever we are. That can be either a comfort or a caution, depending on what we are doing. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover what God sees on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.